0: spoiled the story, but it's perfect. I love it. I love it when she reads ahead. She always does. I mean, she always does. Um, but I, I love it when you guys read ahead too, because um, uh, not only does it make uh, my job a, a little bit easier, uh, but, but also that you come with the idea of um, I, I, I want to know what this part means, or I, I want to understand this part a little bit better. Um, and, and you're being Bereans. You're, you're studying the Word of God, and, and it's truly a, a privilege to come to a, a church that that preaches through the Bible. Uh, every single word of the Bible is is read, um, not just once but multiple times, um, and, and it's really a, 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 a truly a, a privilege to be able to uh, to do this. In Jeremiah chapter forty-two, we pick off where we last uh, read last week. Now all the captains of the forces, Johanan the son of Kariah, Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near, and they said to Jeremiah the prophet, Please let our petition be acceptable to you, and pray for us to the Lord our, your God. For all this remnant, since we are left but a few of many, as you can see, That the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing that we uh, should do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard indeed I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words that it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord your God, to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey uh, the voice of the Lord our God. And it happened after ten days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then he called Johanan the son of Kareah all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, says the Lord. For I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. I will show you mercy, that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. So, Father, tonight as we approach uh, this uh, very seldom read, um, seldom taught section of the scriptures, uh, this um, portion of the Bible where um, so many people have never even read, and yet it contains such great deep truths. Lord, I ask that you would help us to relish, relish uh, your word. And that we would desire to uh have that time with you every single day not not just um when when someone is teaching us but but even to be able to search your word ourselves, Lord, uh, help us to know that your holy spirit is there, that all we have to do is ask for wisdom and you give it to us freely. Lord, I I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to have a Bible in our own language and multiple different versions, the different reading levels, and and we can read it for ourselves. Lord, please never let us make excuses. But instead, Lord, help us to cherish the times that we have with you, desire um, to grow closer to you personally, ourselves. Lord, to come into your presence, to be intimate with you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for these, my friends, my family in this room. I ask you bless them, that you would uh, abundantly um, give them more time than they're giving up tonight. That you would change our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. It seems like an innocent request, right? Those of you that have already read ahead i just spoil the, you know, the surprise for you. It says at the very end of this chapter exactly what they're thinking. Have, have you ever gone to God <clears throat> with a prayer, uh, a, a question? Already knowing in your heart what you want God to say. Where... where if God doesn't answer you the way that you want him to, you're going to leave him in a huff. He, he has to do it the way that you want him to answer the prayer. M- maybe it's, you know, a career, maybe it's a, a spouse, maybe it's something that's going on in your life personally and whatever it may be. But, but, rather than submitting to what God wants for your life, the better thing, we we come with God with our preconceived notions of how he should respond to us. This is exactly what the Israelites are doing. You see, at the end of the chapter, we find out what they were actually thinking before they even asked Jeremiah To go to God and pray for them. This is what it says at the end of the chapter. Verse 19. And by the way, they're talking to a prophet. So, I mean, nothing hidden. God has already revealed the intents of their heart. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah. Verse 19. Do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. For you were hypocrites in your heart when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God according to all that the Lord your God says. So declare to us, and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed. And by definition, What does Jeremiah call them? Hypocrites. Looking like something on the outside that is different from the inside. Having that, oh, we'll pray about it. Already knowing what you're going to do before you get the answer. Why are you even going to God? It's easier for us to blame the Israelites when we do exactly the same, when I do exactly the same thing. It continues on there, though. But you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God or anything which he has sent you by me. Now, therefore, know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence in the place where you desire to go and dwell. He puts it right at their feet. All these decisions that you're making, there's going to be consequences. I mean, and by the way, their city has just been destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem have just been torn down. The, the temple that was the literal center point of Jerusalem has been burned and destroyed and all the valuable things taken to Babylon. And now, just a couple of months later, as they're wandering down to Egypt with their feet on the path already, with their eyes already set toward Egypt, they ask God the question that they already have the answer to. Lord, should we go to Egypt? Lord, should we go back into that addiction? Lord, should we go back into that sin? Lord, should we go into the slavery? Just like we sing about tonight. By the way, I, I love that uh him did you read the words it says remember he has sought you as his people jesus brought you out of egypt he has saved you from your sin remember him remember jesus brought you through the red sea mighty miracles that you have seen you were slaves and now are free That he is the king to the only God, our savior, Jesus Christ. But what do we always remember instead? Just like the people of Israel, what did they remember when they left Egypt? They didn't remember the slavery. They they didn't remember the throwing up in the gutter. They, They didn't remember the hangover. They didn't remember the consequences of their sin. What did they remember? Oh, we got to stick a stick into a pot and get some meat. We got, we got bread. We, we got, you know, the niceties of Egypt, even though it was the, you know, leftovers. We remember the, the good things about our sin and forget the consequences until it happens again. And then we come to God and say, you know, Lord, please forgive me. Why? We want to get rid of the consequences. We want to get rid of the hard times. We want to get rid of the problems. When God has said all along, just don't go there again. I have blessings for you here in your land. And by the way, they are literally in the low hundreds at this time. It's truly, as we're going to find this word repeated, a remnant. I was looking back over just the kind of the, the numbers in uh, the Bible. Um, going all the way back to the book of, of Numbers, I was reminded of it today of a, of a friend who was reading or listening to the book of Numbers. who, who watch, He watches online. Um, but just all the numbers in the book of Numbers. Have you ever tried to read the book of Numbers? It's like you have to have an accounting degree to just even read it. The the number of animals, the number of sheep, the number of oxen, it tells the number of people, every single tribe. It was literally in the millions when they came out of Egypt. When, When they came out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, they numbered in the millions. And now there's less than 5,000 people in Babylon and a couple hundred people left that are fleeing back to Egypt. Why? Why have they been devastated? It's because of their own sin. And now, this very, very small remnant, those that aren't in uh, Babylon taken away captive, those that, we aren't gonna, that we're going to see later on, who are like Ezekiel by the river Kibar, or Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are also in the upper echelons of, of Babylon. Uh, th- this last group of people that are in the land, rather than staying in the land, tending to the land themselves, what are they doing? Dead set on Egypt. Oh, we'll go back to the place. That might be able to protect us. From the big bad Babylon. What does it say in the very last verse? God's going to pursue them and give them the consequences of their own choices. And if they had just stayed in the land. If they had just obeyed God's voice. God would have protected them. God would have even blessed them, as we're going to find out. So we're going to read this chapter. I want to bring out some points uh, to you guys. And, and as we go through this, just, just put yourself in the place of Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah has been dealing with these people for Decades. If they had just obeyed, the walls wouldn't have fallen. If they had just obeyed, the temple would still be standing. And now he's still with them in their sin, rebellion, backsliding. He's still with them. He had the choice of going to Babylon and being just like Daniel or Shadrach and Abednego. He could have been in a nice cush place. Because the Babylonians thought highly of Jeremiah. It's the people that he's serving that do not appreciate him. And he's still with them. Day in, day out, telling them the truth, despite the fact that they don't want to hear it. With those blank faces on their, you know, on their face. With those blank stares on their face as he talks to them day in and day out. Listen to what it says. We'll pick it up there in verse 13. But if you say we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord, your God, uh, saying, no, but we will go to the land of Egypt where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread. There we will dwell. What was their picture of what it's going to be like when they go back to Egypt? Everything's going to be great, right? We're going to get bread. We'll get food. Forgetting exactly what happened to them. Forgetting what happened to their ancestors. Going back into the slavery that they had once been delivered from. Willfully choosing to go back, by the way. Jeremiah says, Then hear now the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. And by the way, it's truly the very definition of this word. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel If you wholly set your face to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow close after you there. In Egypt and there you shall die I don't know what it was like before you were Christian I don't know what you did or how you um, you know approached life but all those things that you do before you become saved Thank God He has delivered you from. And then when you become a Christian and, and you hang out with maybe those same people or go back and try those things again, what does it feel like? It's a weight. There's no pleasure in it anymore. Or if there is, it's very, very fleeting. Because you understand what it's like to be outside of Egypt. You you understand what it's like to be free. You you don't want to go back. And the privilege that we have, especially as Christians, to know that we have been set free. We've been given a, a new life. So why are we going back to death? Why are we going back... Willingly to slavery. This is what Jeremiah is crying out uh, to the people. You fully set your faces towards sin and slavery and death. Again, why are you doing it? So it shall be, verse 17, with all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there, they shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my fury have been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter Egypt. And you shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. And you shall see this place no more. What is it like to purposely disobey God? When, when, you, when I, knowing what it's like to be free, saved and then purposely choosing to go back into something that i know is wrong. We all understand peer pressure. We we all understand, you know, the maybe it's something that, you know, the the friends that i used to hang around with. I just want to witness to Christ for them. I want to tell them about Jesus Christ. And maybe we go back and then we try to hang out with them and it's not the same. But do you understand that every single time that we fall, as we're going to find out here. What are we doing to the name of Jesus Christ? The chosen people of God are purposely choosing to leave their promised land and go back to Egypt. Egypt. And this is what it says. They're going to be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. That's what everybody will think about them. They'll they'll shake their head every single time they think about the Israelites. Those stupid Israelites. And I, I use that word on purpose. They're purposely leaving their promised land, their land that they've been given, that they even fought for, and now they're going back to a land of Egypt and purposely choosing to disobey God. Why did God forbid them to go to Egypt? Why did God forbid them to go to Egypt? It's one of those questions that we're really good at answering for other people, but not ourselves. We, we we know the answer. You know, they're going back because they want to. They want the nice things. But we see the consequences looking back with twenty twenty vision or looking at another person with twenty twenty vision. But when it's ourself, oh, man, we're blind. We ignore the consequences. We ignore the advice. We ignore the, you know, what other people tell us. We ignore God even. Why? Why do we do that? I can handle the consequences. I can resist the temptation. What, what does the book of James say? It says, run, 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 run. Don't go near it, right? Oh, I just want to be a light in a dark place, God. It's hard. God wants the best for you. This is the other thing that we take away from this chapter is you are a hypocrite when you come to God with your answer already in mind. Because they knew what they were going to do before they even got there. We'll see the consequences in the next couple of chapters here. They're not going to worship God anymore. They're going to fall back into the same temptations that they used to. Their spouses are going to make them fall down. All the, the friends and people that they make as, as uh, con- uh, um, acquaintances or friends in this new land, their whole desire is to destroy them, to abuse them, to take advantage of them. The refugees, rather than standing up for what is right and obeying God, Verse 43, the, the story continues. Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, all these words, that Azariah the son of Hosheiah, Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, do not go to Egypt to dwell there. Bible's very clear what these men are. Very clear what these people in their hearts are like. What's the adjective that comes before uh, the word people there or men? Proud. We already know the answer. We already know the answer. And we don't like it when you tell us a different answer. To God himself. To the prophet of God. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, had set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they may put us to death or carry us away captive to Babylon. And you guys remember Baruch, he was the one that was there that literally wrote most of the book of Jeremiah, as Jeremiah dictated it from a prison cell. It was Baruch who was the, you know, the the secretary, if you will, of, of Jeremiah, who wrote down a lot of these uh, words in the book of Jeremiah. So Johanan the son of Korea, of the captains of the forces and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. Stated very clearly, their choice was not to remain in the land. Where did they want to go? You know the answer. Egypt. But Yohanan, the son of Kareah and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah from all nations where they had been driven. Men, women, children, the king's daughters, and every person whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, and by the way, he was the guy that was assassinated, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the prophet, and Baruch, the son of Neriah. So they went to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And they went as far as uh, Tapanis. And uh, I just put up the map again, if you guys don't mind, in the back. Uh, I showed you guys this, this map here. And again, a lot of these places and, and names are kind of unfamiliar to us. But literally, they they left the land of Israel there up in the upper right-hand corner. They go back the same exact route that the book of Exodus describes. They go back across the desert the wilderness area, uh, the, the area where they had wandered in for 40 years. They go back through that area, they cross the Red Sea, and they go back into Egypt. And they're going to dwell in three different cities where you see them listed up uh, there. Uh, uh, Tehophanes and uh, Noph and then On, which is going to be uh, later renamed as Heropolis there. Uh, but, but the understanding is they're going back to the land that God had delivered them from in the very first place. Why? Because they don't think God is big enough. They don't think God is big enough to protect them. In fact, this is exactly what they're saying there in the first paragraph. In verse 8, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, uh, um, Tapanes, saying, Take large stones in your hand, hide them in the sight of the men of Judah, in the clay and the brick courtyard, which is at the entrance to Pharaoh's house in Tapanes, and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden. He will spread out his royal pavilion over them. And when he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed for death and to captivity those appointed for captivity and to the sword those appointed for the sword. I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt and he shall burn them and carry them away captive. He shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd puts on his garment and he shall go out from there in peace. He shall also break the sacred pillars of Beth Shemesh. That are in the land of Egypt. And the house of the gods of the Egyptians. He shall burn with fire. By by the way, these are going to be the same gods that the Israelites are going to start worshiping again. This comes true in 530 BC of 522 BC. And and Jeremiah is warning the people. This Babylonian army that you think you're escaping from is going to come to the last remaining nation on the planet that is viable and wipe them out. The Egyptians. This, you know, reed that will break when you put any weight upon it. Now, this part here, it's about the nation as a whole, Egypt, and the next part we're going to see is directed toward the king himself, the Pharaoh of the day, and I want you guys to picture this, okay, Uh, to see what it is like you you've been running and running exactly the same way that you came from when you left Egypt you're going back the same exact way and then when you get there you can't even rest because now the Babylonian army is knocking on your doorsteps again and those as we we're going to find out that are in this land are going to fall back into the same exact sin Literally disavowing everything that they had promised to God. Oh, we're going to still worship God. We're still going to stand up for what is right. We're still going to be a light. But they're going to choose again to worship the gods of Egypt. It says in verse or chapter 44, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwelt in the land of Egypt to dwell at Migdal, Taphanes, and Noph. And in the country of Paphros saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah and behold this day they are a desolation and no one dwells in them. Because of their wickedness which they have committed to provoke me to anger. And that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know. They nor you nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all the servants, the prophets, rising early, sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness, to burn no incense to other gods. So my fury and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. They are wasted and desolate as it is this day. We're going to see this when we get to the book of Ezekiel. But Ezekiel is going to see exactly what's happening in the very temple itself by the priests. Where they're going to have images in the holy place, in the innermost part of... Of the temple itself, a place where there was supposed to be no images, no idols, no statues at all. And they're going to be bowing down to those things. They're going to be worshiping the sun and the moon and the various other deities. In a place where they think that no one can see them. And even before, you know, hidden cameras, even before GPS, even before security systems, Ezekiel and God are going to see them. Jeremiah, he's going to see the same thing too, by the way. Oh, we could go all over the place on this. What do you do in the secret places of your life? Where you think no one sees. How do you spend your secret time? How do you spend your time alone when no one is watching? Who always sees everything? We're going to see that here. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel. Why do you commit this great evil against yourselves? That's literally who you're hurting. That's who you're hurting, yourself. Those things that you do privately, no one else sees. To cut off from you man and woman, child and infant out of Judah, leaving none to remain. And that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to other gods in the land of Egypt where you have gone to dwell. That you may cut yourselves off to be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. By the way, this word incense is used multiple times on purpose. It's the New Age movement that was a New Age movement a long time ago. Nothing new about it. It's all the you know the uh, the the symbols and the mantras and the you know crystals, the incense that's supposed to do all the whatever mind clearing or you know get you closer to yourself. When in actuality, what's actually happening? You're inviting. Spiritual forces that can wreak havoc in your own life. Even demonic forces, as we're going to see in this section. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, their own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives, which they committed in the land of Egypt, in the streets of Jerusalem, and they have not been humbled to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes They set they, that I set before you and your fathers. Again, purposely choosing to disobey. And, and we're going to see they, they blame everybody else except for themselves, which we're very good at doing. The very first blame, by the way, is, you know, Adam blamed his wife and his wife blamed the serpent. This is exactly what's going to happen. Those wives that worship the idols when they themselves are doing exactly the same thing. God, God is always, always showing us the perfect way to look at it. Don't blame anyone else except for yourself she made me do it he made me do it they made me do it no i chose to do it you chose to do it We can't blame anyone else but ourselves. Verse 11, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will set my face against you for catastrophe and for cutting off all Judah. And I will take the remnant of Judah who have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt to dwell there and they shall all be consumed and fall to the land of Egypt. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. They shall die from the least to the greatest, by the sword and by the famine. And they shall be an oath and astonishment, and a curse and a reproach. I just read this. No, it's repeated multiple times. Why? Because we forget. Even just within one chapter, we forget. Even within a couple of paragraphs, we forget. Most of us, when we walk out this door, we'll forget. Why? Why do we do that? We're so easy to do that. It's so easy. We need to remember the things that we're supposed to from the Lord, which we so easily forget most of the time. For I will punish those who dwell in the land of Egypt, as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by famine, by pestilence, so that none of the remnant of Judah who has gone into the land of Egypt dwell there shall escape or survive lest they return to the land of egypt to which they desire to return and dwell for none shall return except those who escape then all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods with all the women who stood by a great multitude and all the people who dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. Blatantly saying it. You can talk all you want, Jeremiah, but we're not going to listen to you. As they're bowing down to the queen of heaven. As they're bowing down to the gods of Egypt. But we will certainly do whatever's gone out of our own mouth to burn incense to the queen of heaven. Drink or pour out our drink offerings tours we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of uh, Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. We used to do this back in Jerusalem. We used to do this back in Judah. It's familiar to us. And as we're going to see, they blame God for it. God didn't save us. So why should we worship him? Why should we, you know, sacrifice to the God who is the creator of the entire universe? Who brought us out of the land of Egypt. And now we're back in the land of Egypt. Worshipping the gods of Egypt. By the way, who are they blaming for their problems? Who are they blaming for their problems? Listen to what it says here. But we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth to burn incense to the queen of heaven, drink our or out drink offerings to her as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food and were well off and saw no trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked for everything and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. when we stopped worshiping the queen of heaven, that's when our problems started. Oh, how their memory is flawed. Just like ours. Look at what it says in verse 19. The women also said it when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings to her. Did we make cakes for her to worship her to pour out drink offerings to her without our husband's permission? Again, there's nothing new under the sun. There was women rights back then even. There was everything under the sun goes. We can do whatever we want, right? Most people don't know history or have never read uh, this portion of the Bible or maybe even a lot of the Bible. But you guys are here tonight. Those of you that are online, you know, you get to hear this this is a part of the bible that really shines. what is it like to purposely go against the word of god? when when god has set an order not only, you know, in, in the nation of israel as a whole, but also within the family structure as a whole. where where the husband's supposed to be that protector. that spiritual leader the the israelites were told that they were supposed to be the spiritual leaders in their homes and now who are they blaming just like adam did to eve the woman that you gave me lord When it falls squarely upon the men who were not being spiritual leaders in their own homes. Who were not standing up for what was or what is right. So they blame God for their problems. They blame God for all these things that are going on in their life. The Lord could no longer bear it, verse 22, because the evil of your doings and because of the abomination of what you committed. Therefore, your land is a desolation and astonishment a curse, and without an inhabitant as it is this day, because you have burnt incense and because you have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord or walked in his law, in his statutes or in his testimonies. Therefore, this calamity has happened to you this day. The consequences of their sin. But we want to ignore it. And someone may come to us in, in love and say, This is the consequences for your sin. And we rebel against it. We hate it. When we ourselves made the choice. Verse 24: Moreover, the Jeremiah said to all the people and all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, O Judah. Who are in the land of Egypt, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying you and your wives have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying we will surely keep our vows that we have made to burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings to her. You will surely keep your vows and perform your vows. But by, by the way, they want to keep their vows to a foreign God rather than their vows to the God who freed them from Egypt, who who gives them freedom who has saved them from Egypt, who has brought them out of sin, who has brought them and saved them out of their transgressions and their iniquities. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth Of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt. Wow. Do you understand how powerful that is? That God is swearing by the highest authority ever. Himself. That none of you that dwell in this land of Egypt are ever going to speak my name again. Where, where this remnant, the last of the people that are left in this area of the world are literally going to go extinct. Because of the consequences of their sin. And every single Egyptian that remembers an Israelite is going to shake their head. Every single person that lives in Egypt that sees this happen are going to shake their head. Those stupid, stupid Israelites. Those stupid, stupid Jews. By, by the way, do you know that the world is waiting for Christians to fall? It makes big news, by the way. It makes movies, even. Why? Why does... People that are not Christians want Christians to fall. Those hypocrites. They have an excuse. Oh, I don't have to go to church. I don't want to go to church because they're just a bunch of. You've heard it before. Verse 27, behold, I will watch over them for adversity and not for good. And all the men of Judah who are on the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by famine until there is an end of them. Exactly the same thing that we've been reading over and over again. By, by the way, God's reminding them on purpose. He, he's purposely uh, going out of his way to repeat this over and over again. To get through their hard hearts, stiff necks. <clears throat> again, A remnant. Yet a small number who escape the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah and all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt shall dwell there shall know those words will stand, mine or theirs. It shall be a sign to you, says the Lord, that I will punish you in this place, that you may know that my words will surely stand against you for adversity. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will give Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt in the hand of his enemies and in the hand of those who seek his life I will give Zedekiah king of Judah into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon his enemy who sought his life uh, I, I found this today actually uh, this tablet was just found last year literally last year because most people don't believe this guy by the name of Haffa even existed <clears throat> this tablet discovered last year literally describes in cuneiform the name of Hophra or Hophra and how he had taken in the israelites the judeans the people that were from judah and how he is going to be destroyed by babylon Something that had never been, you know, many times if you read whether it's commentaries or or you know um you know is the Bible accurate or various, you know, uh things, articles about this section of the Bible, it describes that in 567 BC, that Egypt, this prediction that Jeremiah says is gonna happen, where King Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and set up his throne in judgment over the Egyptians. This is what it describes in this area. Fulfillment, again, of the word of God. This guy, by the way, was a farmer who found this, you know, in 2021, you know, during COVID, whatever, you know, he was doing, you know. And you just, I mean, you can look it up. It's really amazing. By, by, by the way, uh, I really encourage you to come next week because next week is the first of the month or Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month. And, and you know, I know this has been hard. This is, this has, you know, really been a, a difficult section to read, a, a convicting section to study. A convicting section to teach. And a convicting section of the word of God to listen to. But chapter 45 really sets it off. Because this is a flashback sequence. This is a chapter written as a memory. Where God is going to remind Jeremiah, see, I'm fulfilling my promises. I saved you from Babylon, I I, I saved you from that pit, I I saved you from that prison, I, I saved you from death, even. Whether it's a, a note that he got or, or found from Baruch or whether it was a, a, a you know, a section that he had, he had just discovered. We don't know exactly what it is. But this is a flashback to the time of Jehoiakim, which was uh, about 15 years earlier. This was the guy who was the, the king before King Zedekiah. Uh, this was the, the king who reigned that was, you know, taken away into bondage during the first exile Uh, to Babylon, along with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen to what it says in verse 45. It's very short. We'll end it here. The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Nariah, when he had written these words in a book at instruction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, and you guys remember Josiah, he was the boy king, he was the good king. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you say, or you said, Woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sign, and I find no rest. Remembering that time when Baruch had to literally go to the prison every single day, not only to be there as an encouragement to Jeremiah, Not only to bring him the food, not only to record the prophecies that he was uh, saying. But also, as it says in verse 4, to remind him of the future. And I'm so forward, I'm, I'm so looking forward to reading the book of Lamentations with you. Because around this time when he was in the pit, when he was in prison, this is when he wrote the book of Lamentations. Where in the very middle of the book, after writing three full chapters of the devastation that is happening in Jerusalem at this time. And, and again, another three full chapters after this. Right in the very middle, this ray of hope comes in. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Do you need hope tonight? Are you in an Egypt? Do you need hope tonight? Are you in a pit? Do you need hope tonight? You need to be reminded by God, as all of us do, that it's only him that can stand up for you. It is only him that can give you the strength. It is only him that can deliver you. Listen to what it says in verse 4. Thus you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, behold... What I have built, I will break down. That beautiful temple is going to fall. All the buildings are going to fall. All the nice houses are going to fall. All the walls are going to fall. But do not seek them. Excuse me. uh, What I have built, I will break down. And what I have planted, I will pluck up. That is this whole land. All the buildings, all the things are going to be destroyed. And do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. And this is what the hope is. But I will give your life to you as a prize in all places, wherever you go. Speaking specifically to Jeremiah. Speaking specifically to us, by the way. Who, who do you rely on? Who do you turn to? And it's so easy to, you know, look at another person and say, I wish they were here tonight. They need to hear this. Guess what? You're here. You can tell them. You can show them. You don't even need to show them this recording. You can just tell them yourself and just read it to them. Or even better we can remind ourselves which is what most of us need to do including myself I need to remind myself of these things Who is god reaching out for Who does god want to save Who does god want to deliver? From the land of Egypt. When it may feel like you are in the deepest of pits. Going through the hardest of trials. Who is it that can save you? There's only one. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that reaches out to you with love every single day. He's the one that lifts us up with hope and encouragement every single day. And just like Jeremiah writes in the book of Lamentation, every single day when I see that sunrise, I know that there's a new mercy. That There's going to be a new loving kindness because I serve a faithful God. And is that true today for you? I know it is. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the book of Jeremiah. I thank you so much for your word. And and many times as, as it, you know, the New Testament describes it as a sword that cuts through literally the joint and the marrow down to the very core of our being or Or as Jeremiah describes it as a a hammer that breaks apart the hardest of hearts and the stiffest of necks. Lord, please forgive us of our stubbornness. Please forgive us of our pride. Please forgive us of choosing to go back to Egypt, to backslide. Please forgive me. Lord, I thank you so much for these, my friends, my family. Ask you bless them tonight. That you would truly um, cut quick to the very core of our being. That we would desire to grow close to you. That we would desire to to leave all those things that so easily weigh us down, beset our path, and instead be free to walk with you, to be delivered be forgiven, to be unshackled, to be lifted up, to be encouraged, to be given hope, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to not forget this when we leave this room. We would desire to press in and to be intimate with you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.